We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. We at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Hey there, welcome to Binge the Bucks, a special narrative podcast series focusing on the Milwaukee Bucks 2019 playoff run and part of the Eurostep podcast. I'm Ty Windish, and I'm here, as always, with Rohan Kadi to break down Game 4 in the third series in the Bucks 2019 playoff run, a 120-102 loss to the Toronto Raptors. This podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag and BlueChew, and the Eurostep is proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Rohan, great Chris Middleton game. That's probably the only time we're going to use great in this entire podcast. How's it going, and how was watching Game 4 for you? You know what? I was doing okay before I started watching this game. Yeah. Uh, it, it stung watching it live. It, it's, it stings even more now. Uh, it's not like compared to Game 3, which was our last episode, that was just like a heartbreaking loss because it's so close. It goes to double overtime, and then there are extenuating factors that like you could say cost the Bucks the game, right? But this was just a good old-fashioned whooping. It was, and I remember now you know, looking back, watching this one live, this was one where despite, I mean, the final score, it obviously gets to a 20-point game and kind of holds there for about half a quarter, a full quarter, whatever it is. Even at times in the second half, the Bucks would get it down to seven, down to like maybe even five, I think, in that second half. And I was still such an optimist after, you know, how good the first two games of the series went, how good the rest of the run outside of literally only one other game went, where I was like, well, I, maybe they can pull this off and get that coveted 3-1 to one lead. Like, it was possible. I mean, it wasn't. I don't think like one or two things going differently would have changed this game, not at all. But 
Like it felt like in the third quarter, a run could have made it possible that the Bucks do pull this one out. But I think for a lot of reasons, they're just unable to do it. Um, do you want to further set the stage for this one? Or should we jump right into the first quarter? Well, I mean, I guess you could say that this wasn't a must-win game for Milwaukee no, at the it, time. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was That's not. important context. Yeah, even though they were coming off that, like I said, a heartbreaking loss in Game 3 where they just they willed themselves back and then just couldn't finish the job, this wasn't a must-win because they still had home court advantage. They were still up 2-1. So even if you lose this game, it's 2-2, and again, you have home court advantage, you're going back home. But, you know, if you wanted to win the series fast, a 3-1 lead would probably be preferred uh, and compared if you to just, the series. if that you wanted time. to win it, period, also. Yeah, if you wanted to win it, period, yes. Um, it's much more likely if you have a 3-1 lead compared to a tied series. But I guess, like, it, it wasn't a must-win, and I guess that might have played into Milwaukee's heads as we, you know, dive into this episode. It might have, and I do think, I mean, we can't, we'll talk, actually, you know what, I'll save this next part for after. Let's get to this first quarter. Um, the, <laughs> I felt dreadful on, on my rewatch, the first, the first camera angle I look up to see. So it's obviously, you know, everyone lines up next to their counterpart on the other team before the game. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but the very first shot it's on the Raptor side, there's Kawhi Leonard on the Buck side, there's Nico Miritich. And I was just like, I know that's not the actual in-game matchup. I know that's just whatever, for whatever reason, it ended up that way for the opening tip. I get it. I was just filled with dread immediately. I was like, oh no, I don't like, I don't like this juxtaposition whatsoever. This is worrying. And despite that, despite that dread, this actually starts off really well for the Bucks. They started off with a 5-0 lead until Danny Green, of all people, takes Miritich inside and cooks him. But like early on, the Bucks actually have a little bit of a lead, and it uh, it doesn't really last. It does not. It seemed like Giannis was he was trying to bounce back from his game three performance. Yeah, uh, and he did so very well. He went five for eight in the quarter for eleven points. He just he was on a mission in that first quarter. However, the uh, Toronto Raptors had one simple game plan, and you alluded to this: uh, get the ball to whoever Miritich was guarding and have them cook him for a bucket. Yeah. That's what it seemed like. And it was working really well. They were taking advantage of their mismatches. And literally anyone against Nikola Mirotic is a mismatch. So they were going to that and they were getting good results out of that. Even though Milwaukee jumped out to a hot start, Toronto was able to pull themselves back into this because of these mismatches. And it wasn't so evident like early on in the game, but they were just getting open three after open three mm. on possessions where it was just one pass away the open three because they were over helping so freaking much the bucks were um there was one play in particular i think siakam had it in the right post or like right baseline and then he was being guarded by ursan and then brooke is just shading it. he not even shading it he is coming to double team uh siakam and then siakam just passes to gasol on the perimeter for an open three yeah he, he gasol got a couple of those wide open catch and shoot threes in this quarter yeah, it's just that one pass away open three. It, it's not even remotely close to a good defense or even close to the defense that we'd seen from Milwaukee all year, which was the most baffling part. Yeah, and I think what what's interesting is, you know, the Bucks and coach Mike Budenholzer might have at some point in this first quarter, I mean, clearly they, they must have thought it was working to an extent because they didn't, they didn't really switch things up much throughout the series. I mean, we'll, we'll watch the last, the last two games, 
you know, going forward in the series. But I think Kawhi doesn't even attempt a shot until roughly halfway through the quarter, which, I mean, that is the goal, right? That's the point of doing all this. I think doubling on Siakam is kind of ridiculous. I mean, he's good, but I don't think you need to, you know, compromise your whole defense for Siakam. I don't even think you need to do it to that extent for Kawhi. So, obviously, I don't think you need to do it for Siakam. But um, Kawhi makes his first shot, a tough one over Chris. But just going back for a second, um, the way when you said Giannis started the game the right way, I definitely agree. I mean, his first bucket in this one is, Siakam gets an offensive rebound and he's kind of like fumbling it and Giannis just grabs it and goes coast to coast and lays it in like it was definitely setting the tone for him personally unfortunately after this first quarter things get a lot harder for Giannis we see a very famous adjustment I think later in this one but it was the right tone to start for sure everything started out great for the Bucks in the very early going but yeah I mean the the Bucks defense in this game was rough to see I mean obviously they only score 102 it wasn't like you know they they gave up 150 or anything but just it it seemed like there were just some baffling decisions made and then really later in the game I found it felt like the Milwaukee just wasn't comfortable and started to just get lost defensively and that's not where you want to be in the conference finals it turns out I don't even think it's they're getting lost I think they were mentally checked out that's what it seemed like it seemed like they were ready to go home and sleep in their own bed which you know like I relate that's a good feeling, <laughs> but like, yeah, I think it plays into. I, I feel like I mentioned this on previous episodes, but it plays into the experience factor. What is yeah. George Hill is the only player on the roster at the time who had made it to a finals, uh, I believe. Yeah, with the Cavs, right? Yeah, and, the, and he didn't exactly play an exemplary role in that finals. And no one remembers that he missed the free throw. <laughs> Cavs uh, fans do, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, it seemed like no one on this team had any idea like how it seems really cliche to say, but like what it takes to necessarily win a conference finals game. Like obviously yeah. they had done it in games one and two, but going on the road and trying to pull out a game like this, they they did not have it in them. Because again, we've mentioned this before, but it's just like the con- conference final schedule. It goes like every other day um, for some reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it seems odd in 2019 for that to be the way it were, and I'm sure in 2020 as well, but whatever. Yeah, it's just, you would think that as the uh, series go, like they progress, the teams are getting more and more tired, so you would think they would need more rest, not less rest, but, you know, I don't work for the NBA. Uh, <laughs> not yet. Not yet, not yet. But, yeah, it just seemed like no one on this team really knew what they were doing in the sense like they they didn't know how to set the right mentality like like you said Giannis was setting the tone early but then it just sort of it sort of went away like it's this is on him too because I noticed a lot of defensive mistakes were just a lack of effort and he and Giannis was one of those players who was partaking in that yeah I do wonder if this is something that should have been I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. It was very strange to see. I mean, I remember at one point, I mean, this is an indicator of things to come a bit, but Bledsoe gambles on a pass and ends up leaving Fred Van Vliet wide open for a three. And it's just like one of those things where, I mean, you're going to gamble and miss sometimes, but stick to Fred Van Vliet, man. Like, that's one of those guys you shouldn't leave. He ends up making all three of his threes in this game and, and then making a bunch more later. Oh, but, I forgot to say this is post-kid Fred Van Vliet, right? Yeah, this is, this is the first post-kid game, right? Yep, I believe so. Yeah, so he's five for six from the field, three for three from deep. So yeah, that checks out. 
<laughs> oh my goodness another good norm powell game as well but yeah it was just it, it was rough to see it just it really did look like despite the bucks getting that early lead and and of course they were so good the raptors just looked like they were on a bit of a different level i mean they they looked like that the whole series there and everyone jokes about you know um game of zones right they did the the thing comparing Kawhi and the spurs to the white walkers like they're just like they keep coming they're like lifeless that's kind of how these raptors were i mean they were more amped up but like they just kept coming over and over and over, no matter what. And I've talked about this before on this series, but Kyle Lowry is such a momentum killer. He hits some huge shots in this game. Like this team is like built to demoralize you, I swear. Especially with Kawhi as the centerpiece, it's just really, really hard to go up against them. And they, uh, they certainly proved it in this game. But are, are we ready to move on to the second quarter? Yeah, like after the first quarter, like it was 32-31 Toronto. Like it wasn't it wasn't like it was a massive lead for the Raptors already. It was a close game, one point game obviously. Then we get to the second quarter and that's where it started to uh unravel for Milwaukee. It was their worst quarter of the game. What a weird quarter this was. It was Chris Middleton and Serge Ibaka going back and forth <laughs> in a conference finals game. Like I get the Chris Middleton thing, but Serge Ibaka? He was really? amped, man really i just i don't know when i was the when i was looking at the box score before i like did this quarter um i was like okay you know middleton's going off in this game and then i was like okay let me check the raptors one and i was like serge ibaka is going five of seven from the field for 10 points i just i don't know my goodness kyle lowry scores six without making a single field goal classic Yep, the grift is on. Uh, the grift is on, and this was the rare. It's it's really bad. The Bucks lost this quarter by so much because the Raptors actually shot poorly from three. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Fre- Freddie, of course, makes his. Fred VanVleet is one for one, but Norm Powell takes five threes in this quarter, only makes one. That's a very like that's that's the the other side of the Norm Powell equation that I feel like the Bucks usually don't see is the the negative. Uh, very streaky player, but Lowry misses two. Danny Green misses one. And Serge actually does miss one, but yeah, he does score 10 points, 5 for 7 from the field, like you said. Three offensive rebounds. One of them was a huge putback dunk where Giannis and, and Nico both kind of blew it and letting the Raptors get the offensive board twice and and, and not boxing out. But I, I just instinctively blame Nico more, especially the play before the, the Norm Powell points of that quarter, or two, uh, three of the six, I should say. Just one of the easiest and ones, and like the kind of play you just absolutely cannot make in the playoffs. Like the that kind of foul where you like sort of half heartedly wrap around the guy without really stopping him at all, and it's like it was, he can no, still no, the word he he fouled him after he had got past him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he followed him from behind as he was going up for the job. Like he just he I don't even know. He just tugged on his jersey. Like what's the point? You, you gave, either get beat or foul him hard. You gave him an open layup. Like accept that. Don't make it worse. You know. <laughs> Yeah, just my goodness. But it's like like you were saying, the Raptors did not shoot well this quarter. Uh, aside from like Serge Ibaka, the Bucks somehow shot worse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, well I mean, I guess not percentage wise, but like Chris Middleton made four shots of his four attempts, three of three from deep. No one else made more than one shot. Two players made one shot. Nico Miritich made one, and then Ursan Ilyasova hit another shot. There were a total of six field goals for the Bucks in this quarter. Four of them came from Chris Middleton. I just, I, 
I have no words. Just like Nico chucking four threes and missing all of them, which this this came to be like the Nico Miritich experience you for know the what? Bucks. I, I'm actually going to push back on that a little. Credit to him. At least he was getting shots up. No True. one else was getting any shots up. Like Giannis uh, took two shots, missed both of them. Bledsoe took one shot. George Hill took one shot. Brogdon took three, missed all of them. At least yeah. Nico was getting his shots up. And Brogdon was too, and they they both end up shooting really poorly from the game, especially Brogdon. Actually, both of them, really. But um, this was a game where Giannis definitely needed to shoot more. George Hill needed to shoot more in this game. They needed to engineer some looks for George Hill. We know how good of a shooter he is. We know he can create within the arc. George Hill took two shots all night in a game the Bucks really desperately needed some offense, not just from the bench, from anywhere. Like anywhere. They just needed somebody not named Giannis and Chris to score. They They couldn't find it. This was... I guess everyone who thinks that Malcolm Brogdon is like this phenomenal player who always came through in the clutch missed this game. Uh, this well, That was not what would happen. I'm not blaming Malcolm Brogdon specifically, mm-hmm. but... And the Venn diagram for those who say Chris Middleton does not show up in big playoff games also missed this game. Yeah, it's 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 funny how that works. But um, yeah, this weird quarter, Chris Middleton, like you said, really, really carrying it. And no one on the Raptors, I mean, Serge was the best. Nobody, uh, for this quarter, I mean the second quarter, nobody else in the Raptors like really went off. Like I said, Lowry got his six points by grifting. Norm got six points, three on a three, and three on that just awful Nico and one. But every single Raptor scored in the quarter. Like they all somehow got points. And that really, I think, is a good illustration of like, you get the one guy kind of randomly going off. That's going to happen. But they all score. All eight Raptors who played in this game score at least two in this quarter. That's really what kind of game this was. I mean, the Bucks' defense was, they were holes. There were holes all over opening up, whether it was an effort mistake or, or just a lack of effort, a miscommunication. I mean, there were so many times in this game as a whole where, like, two Bucks end up standing next to someone, not even really, like, after a real screen. Like, at one point, I think it later in the game, Fred Van Vliet goes behind Mark Gasol, and Chris and Nico just kind of, like, stand next to Mark Gasol. Or maybe it was Lowry, one of the two. And the other guy just like hits the three, and it's like, oh, well, let's not do that. Let's let's make sure someone stays next to the dangerous shooter on the perimeter, please. Like, there was just so much of that kind of stuff. And I mean, I have it in my here, in my second quarter notes. Bucks defense is falling apart at times here. Guys are left wide open way too often. I mean, sure, is would it help if Fred VanVleet doesn't hit seventy whatever percent of his threes, which is a super high outlier number even for open threes? Like that will probably never happen in another series for him again. Yeah, that would help. But, like, you shouldn't put the guys in a position to make all those shots. Like, these were not all contested looks. Far from it. And I think I think the Bucks kind of skate on that more than they should. Especially when Bucks people talk about this series. Like, it's way too easy to just say, oh, yeah, Van Vliet hit all those shots. That's why they lost. Like, I think you need to go a little bit deeper. Why was he even in a position to take all those good shots? Yeah, it's it's... Like, little by little, all the little things added up for the Raptors. Like like you were saying, every single Raptor scored. And that adds up. That's how Toronto won this quarter by nine. Even though no one could really get it going for the Bucks or the Raptors, they, the Raptors had the little things. They got their free throws. They got the open shots. They made their open shots. They made all their free throws. And then they, you know, they managed to win the quarter because it all adds up in the end. Yeah, no, it really does. And, uh, Strange one again, we don't see, I think not, oh no, never mind, I'm, 
I forgot I had the the quarter, not the game on. Yeah, it's it's the Bucks rotations are kind of weird here. You get two minutes of Pat Connaughton in this quarter, two minutes of him in the first quarter. Bud was kind of really just like sprinkling in the the bench guy minutes too, or something. And he too. he really was not great. He was good in the um, previous games, like you were wanting him to play more minutes. Yeah, I, he I did kinda... not have a good defensive showing in this game. He was just getting constantly beat at the rim, beat off the dribble. It was not pretty for Pat Connaughton. It wasn't pretty for anyone aside from Giannis and Chris, really. Yeah, he uh, he absolutely gets dusted on one. Although I will say, he did have in the first three quarters, he never played more than two minutes at a time. It is a little bit hard to get rhythm together, and especially when Nico's getting like six minute total blows in the quarters. But whatever. Anyway. Um, yeah, not not a not a very convincing Pat C showing after some good earlier games. So, um, what what was the uh, what's the halftime score there, Rohan? Before sixty five fifty five in favor of the Raptors. So the the lead is in double digits. The game is not yet over, but at home, double digit lead, looking pretty strong for the Raptors. We will get back to the second half in just a minute. But first, with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Besides how many times I'll get scores wrong in these podcasts, but you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner, betonline.ag, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they are bringing Vegas to you. If you're missing the NFL, that's no problem. BetOnline.ag has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can also still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. It's all open 24 hours a day and all completely online. Just use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering solution. Guys, speaking of sports and hot dog eating contests, I guess, are you looking to last longer and make it a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. BlueChew's online physician is free of cost and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay that $5 in shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E, Chew.com with promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, Rohan, let's get to this second half. What are your initial third quarter takeaways? I, I said this earlier, but just coming out of the gates, it looks like the like the Bucks they were checked out. They All except one of them. Yeah, but they they were already done. Uh, No one on this team really seemed like they were up for another half of basketball. And it kind of, it didn't really show much in the third quarter because it was actually kind of close. But I mean, I guess it did show because they they had opportunities to go on runs, like you said, but they could never really do it because, I don't know, they didn't seem like they were in the right mindset. That's that's what I noticed right away from watching this quarter. Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, you get Chris Middleton this quarter, only takes four shots, but he's three for four on those looks for seven points, and he also dishes four assists, so you're creating a lot of offense. Otherwise, you look at the books, Giannis gets eight points, you know, three for six shooting. Nobody else has more than three points, and that's just a Nico three. The only shot he took in this quarter was a made three. Otherwise, 
Ersan has two points. Brogdon has two points. George Hill doesn't attempt a shot in five minutes. Brooke Lopez has two, and, and Bledsoe has two. This was not a particularly inspiring Bledsoe game. Um, Kawhi does start to cook a little bit here. Um, this is, of course, what the Bucks have been fearing throughout the series, just Kawhi going and winning one, and he is very good. I mean, 11 points on four shots. He plays a lot of this quarter. Um, but, you know, five points for Marc Gasol, who makes a three, five points for Siakam, and I believe one of them was a very, very easy look. Uh, oh, yep, yep. <laughs> three guys end up leaving an open Siakam right next to the rim. You just can't do that. I think in addition to kind of the team being exhausted, maybe, I don't know if they, I don't know if exhausted is the right word, but checked out probably is. Um, it did seem like the Bucks were just getting uncomfy too. Like with a lot of these uh, non-Lopez minutes, especially, you can see some hesitation of like, how do we guard? When do we switch? Do we switch? What do we do? Do we double? And when they do double, they, they did it sloppily and they didn't close hard enough to make passes difficult. It just... It just was bad. Like it was just the defense in this quarter was just rough for Milwaukee, and and they really let Toronto cement their lead. There was one play in particular. Uh, I think it was early in the third, where uh, Toronto just runs like the ball screen at the top of the key, and then uh, I forget who was involved, but they they hit the roller, and then they just score at the rim, and Giannis has his back turned because it was like five seconds into the shot clock. And I think Nico was supposed to recover to that, um, but he didn't. And then Giannis just like turns around because, you know, someone had scored and he's just, he just has this look of like, what, what on earth is, what's, what's going on, man. There was another one that they ran to twice early as well, where you can tell that nurse wanted to prod at the rim when, when Brooke Lopez was out and even when he's in, cause he's so Brooke was really out of his comfort zone and kind of like, he would get torn between sagging to the rim and guarding his guy and end up doing neither. Like there was some rough Brook Lopez minutes in this game, but early in the quarter, Brook is out and it's uh, Chris guarding Kawhi and Kawhi would get inside position. Chris is kind of trying to deny the ball and twice in a row, Kawhi does the like quaint little push off and, and dart and cut to the rim and get an open dunk. And I think one was an and one and one was just a, an uncontested dunk. And they really just did the same thing twice in a row and the Bucks couldn't really adjust that they didn't adjust at least yeah there was some like very simple playmaking the raptors did that worked exceedingly well for them in this quarter yeah and going back to what you said about lopez i will say this there is absolutely no reason why budge was not like should have not have been mirroring gasol and lopez yeah like there's no reason that gasol should be on the floor and brooke lopez is not because there's no chance that Ursan or Nico have any chance of being able to um, hang with Marc Gasol. And it's not like Gasol is going to, he's not going to like blow by him off the drill or anything. So I think, I think it goes back to what you were saying about he doesn't get, he's not sure what he's doing in between um, staying with Gasol at the three point line or like sort of drifting to the rim. But that's still better than Nico Miritich and Ursan trying to guard Gasol on the block. It's wild they didn't have a better weaponized Giannis' center lineup. That's what that was my biggest thing watching this, and I I've been skeptical of those groups because they by and large like they hadn't worked before this past regular season, and I think they should have, but they really hadn't. But like put Giannis on whoever it is, Abaka or Gasol, and just like have him stick to him a little bit. I just play more straight up. It's switch if you have to. You figure out the small details. It really doesn't matter to me. But like that should have been a more obvious thing to go to. But they. 
They just did not like using Giannis in that way. They preferred to have Nico or Ursan doing those things. And like you said, it just it did not work well for the Bucks when those two tried to do any sort of center things. Yeah, I guess I guess the counter to that is just like Giannis as a help defender is so much better than Giannis as like a straight up center in like a Brook Lopez rim protector role because he can cover so much ground so he can cover almost two people at once uh, going from like corner to the rim or like even from the wing to the rim. He can cover so much ground so quickly. So I guess that's one reason why they couldn't play him at center. But I mean, I, I, I don't disagree. Like I've made and people always will. You know, when I'm talking Bucks with, like, non-Bucks people, they'll be like, oh, you're going to throw Giannis on, you know, insert star player. And it's like, well, they actually probably won't because I like to use him as a help defender. He's good at it. And I, and I don't disagree with doing that in, in matchups where it works. Like against the Lakers, if you want to have him do more of that stuff from time to time, sure. But if the, if the alternative in not doing that is having the defense you're trying to run just get blitzed over and over, then I'm a lot more open to trying other things with Giannis on defense, like experiment a little bit. That's certainly what Nick Nurse would have done uh, if the coaches were flipped in this series, but Bud is not super interested in that. Yeah, I just, it was, like, I don't want to say that this all came down to, like, coaching or anything, because obviously players were not doing so great, but the scheme for Milwaukee really hurt them in this game. I think this was a classic example of just Bud getting out coached. Yeah, I mean, there's there just weren't like the the Raptors made their adjustments and they began to work. I think really in this game was the the really the turning point where Toronto starts to kind of pull away. And obviously, I mean, they just tied up the series, but I just mean an on court product. The things the Raptors were doing really catching up to the Bucks. And on Milwaukee's end, there was just not much. Not much changing, and, and obviously that was good for Toronto. Um, i trying to think if I have anything else for this quarter. I mean, again, just Chris doing pretty much everything. Oh, Nico Miritich. So Norm Powell has the ball at the top of the key, like a few feet behind the three-point line, and Nico's about you know a few feet away from him, and Norm starts to dribble in, and Nico just backs up so fast he gives up a wide-open top-of-the-three key. To Norm Powell, who of course hits it. Uh, and then some actually Giannis comes down and hits a clutch three in response to keep the game close ish. But oh, that first three was just like way, way too easy. But even I don't have the, the scores, but I know that it would have been a 10 point game. Instead, though, only a 13 point game somehow, even after this quarter, after the Bucks looked so bad, which really tells you how good the Bucks were, even if we think we're playing this poorly and they're not down by that much. Yeah, I think. <clears throat> excuse me it's more of like a missed opportunity for milwaukee yes because they had so many chances to sort of if they put together any sort of a competent stretch they would have been right back into this game they couldn't do that once so i don't know it just seemed like a missed opportunity and there it ended at 94 to 81 going into the fourth like i just and also that nico thing i don't think he's physically capable of you know um moving backwards that fast so he has to contest the drive right away um that don't get me wrong i'm not defending him i'm literally saying he is physically incapable of being an nba defender uh so he that's the reason that open three happened that's just what like the the fact that he through all of this i mean we saw the Celtics series was not kind to him on this end the fact that he was still even possibly able to match up with a player like norm powell on the perimeter at this point in the postseason 
truly wild stuff. I just, um, I don't understand. And then the way he starts the fourth quarter is like, I, I really, I don't want to beat up on the guy too much. I know a lot of Bucks people do. I get why. I obviously do the same if you've been listening to this podcast. I feel a little bit bad at this point. I mean, the guy literally quit the NBA following this postseason, probably for some very good reasons. I mean, I know he gets to go play at home and everything, and that's great. But, I mean, I, I've said this before. Everyone who plays professional basketball probably wants to be an NBA player. Nico Miritich no longer does, probably in part because of this series. But the way this fourth quarter starts, truly brutal stuff. Yeah, it was. It was you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you wanna you wanna do it? So it looks like he's got a steal, mm-hmm. and I was watching it, and for one second, I was like in my in my cold dead heart of Bucks fandom, not really anymore, but go with it. I was like, oh my god, like Nico getting a steal, like is this is there gonna be a little run? Like I know they lose, but maybe there's gonna be a little run, and he gets it, and I don't really know what he's trying to do with the ball. But he kind of like just like lazily tosses it, and the guy who threw the ball away in the first place, I think Fred Van Vliet, just gets it back and takes it for an easy layup. Like literally, the fast break was starting. The Bucks were so ready for this, like they could get it to around ten points. Was full sprinting down the court, like just so ready. And instead, he just Giannis just has to look on as Fred Van Vliet takes the I don't even want to call it a pass the the potato that <laughs> that Nico does and just takes it in. It's just like oh my god, like. Just brutal stuff. So those so two mistakes. We, we are know five that points. we know that Giannis has been watching the Jordan doc and really enjoying it. Um, oh my goodness! He he should have he should have pulled a Jordan on Steve Kerr in that moment. Oh god! I thought you were gonna make a, a Kukoc reference, but no, that works too. Yeah, Jeez. like honestly, I he was in. This is the fourth quarter. He like Giannis is gassed at this point, but he's still full sprinting down the court for a transition opportunity, and then Nico just gives the Raptors a layup. Like I just rough. It's very rough. And yeah, yeah, yeah. This entire that was really the feeling of this entire quarter. The Raptors only win this quarter by five, I think, but it's because this it felt like it was garbage time, even though it wasn't. Yeah, no, I mean, there, there was some brutal basketball from the Bucks. The the no communication on the, the FVV darting behind Gasol thing that I talked about happens pretty much right after the Van Vliet easy two, and Fred just hits the op- wide open three. And it's partly on Chris as well. But, I mean, then Chris, to his credit, comes down, takes Van Vliet, you know, his typical, like, three dribble pull-up easy bucket. Again, not sure why we didn't see more of this later on, but whatever. Uh, and then Van, Van Vliet really makes Pat Condon look pretty bad. Um, Pat closes like a step in too far and Van Vliet's just like gone. But the play that I thought I called the dagger on my rewatch and, and I, this was Marv Albert calling this, right? Uh, yes. I think so. Yes. I, whoever it was, I think it was Marv. I think it was Marv. Yeah. Does a horrible disservice to Pat Connaughton because Pat throws Giannis a pass directly to his hands. And Giannis just like fumbles it inexplicably to the Raptors who score on the fast break. And and you hear the, the Marv go, a bad pass, turnover. And it's like, what? That's 
that's not a bad pass, man. Like Giannis fumbled that thing. Unless I don't know, maybe I maybe I missaw it. It really looked to me it, like it was. I know what you're talking it, about. It, it was, was a, a it was a pretty like, good pass. Giannis just. I mean, he wasn't it wasn't ready. like a like a dime, but he like, he just passed it to him like it was just a pass. And I wouldn't call it a bad pass though. But um, that's to me where I was like, okay, if Giannis is just fumbling away like casual passes, like not even he wasn't even driving. He was pretty much just standing there. And it's not like Giannis thon maker or anything. He has good hands. <laughs> yeah, usually not then. And I was like, oh, this is it's it, going to be that over. sort of game. Yeah. I mean, it was that sort of game, I should say, because it was the fourth right. quarter and essentially garbage time. And just no one on the Bucks could really get anything going. We we saw we saw DJ Wilson in this game. We did. Mm-hmm. DJ Wilson playing conference finals minutes. Uh, obviously, because, you know, it was a good matchup, not because it was um, garbage time or anything. <laughs> I do not understand why he did not get a single shot in Nico's minutes. Yeah, it's it's pretty befuddling that that Nico just kept getting this. I and mean, let, let given me look that when DJ was in this game, he was immediately getting put in the basket by Marcus All. Yeah, but, I mean, he was not ready for that life. I mean, that's that's like equal to what Nico was doing. Yeah, it's. I mean, uh, this is the last Nico starting game. After this, he gets nine minutes in game five, and then he gets a, a TNP in game six, deservedly so, but. Um, really, I think in this game, there probably should have been a reconsideration of, of his role like live, not just after the game. He ends up like, playing. It didn't seem like Milwaukee knew that they could make in-game adjustments. No, it didn't. And like Nico plays a pretty solid amount of minutes, like 24 minutes, almost as much as Brook Lopez does. Um, meanwhile, Ursan gets 18 minutes by the end, although this gets a little cloudy with, with the garbage time. It doesn't really happen until... Under four minutes left, though. But, yeah. And then, like, I think Bledsoe was pretty quiet about being bad Bledsoe in this game, but he certainly was not good. I mean, this he was wasn't one way. He was actively bad. He was quietly bad. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, say, I'd say he was more of a neutral. He did not put anything good, but he also didn't, like, take away anything for the play. You just, like, he was he's just still there. The, the, he's the third guy, though. Like, at least, That's true. at least theoretically. I mean, they were making this all-star case for him this year. Like, he's supposed to be the third guy. He had five points. And it's just rough. It's just, like, the inconsistency from some of the Bucks. I mean, we'll see. You know, the guy who really came through tonight in the next game is is pretty downright awful, which is a bummer. It's cause That's probably going to be the hardest podcast of the whole series for me. I'm not even emotionally prepared for the bad Chris game. But this was not that, so we'll keep going on this for now. Fun stat. Do you know who led the Bucks in plus-minus from guys who actually played? Ooh, I think I do. It was, um, was it Brooke? It was Brooke Lopez. The Bucks Wait, won show. Brooke Lopez's 25 minutes by one point. And I maintain to this day, like, he's good enough to where there should have been ways to find him a way to play more minutes. And it really just... Like, his minutes aren't ever, like, at the 30-minute mark. Uh, at least they weren't in this game. Um, but it was, like, giving him some more of Nico's minutes, like, giving more to the other wings. I don't know. I don't know what the perfect answer was. I'm, I'm obviously not an NBA coach. I just not yet. I just watch a whole lot. But, like, I don't know. It's just some rough stuff on display in this game. My goodness. Giannis was a minus 19. Chris, that's just ridi- that's Chris ridiculous. Chris was a minus 17. Yeah. 
despite him playing really, really well in his minutes. Yeah, Chris ends with 36 and 7. My goodness. What a stat. <laughs> on 11 of fi- excuse me, 11 of 15 from the field. And yeah. he's a minus 17. That's just that's what happens when even if you play really well on that end, you the team absolutely falls apart on the other end. Yeah, Giannis ends with 25, 10, and 5. He does have four turnovers in this game. Uh, which yeah. no is not great. Uh, considering no one on the team, I mean, oh God, Nico had four too. Um, <laughs> I was going to say no one else on the team had more than one. And then I scrolled up. Uh, yeah. Nico had four as well. So eight turn, eight of the 12 total team turnovers coming. Oh, I'll say that three times fast, uh, coming from two players. How does Nico Mirosic even handle the ball enough to have four turnovers? Uh, just doing, uh, bonehead plays i almost said a bad word uh <laughs> on the, like the one we described earlier to start the half yeah so the raptors rocking a solid 60.7 true shooting percentage in this game which is great yeah pretty good pretty good um steph curry in 2011-12 had a 60.5 true shooting so they were like early stage steph curry uh on efficiency which is pretty efficient yeah i'd, I'd say good i'd say his first All-Star year, he was 61% true shooting on the seasons. So they were just a hair under the beginning of Steph Curry's prime in terms of efficiency, which is, again, not something you want to let the other team do. Yeah, a team. Like, this is a player in Steph Curry we're talking about. The, the team did this. Yeah, that's uh, not ideal. But no. I uh, I don't think I have anything else now that we're, we're done. Just Really just being kind of disgusted in this game. Yeah, this was not the most fun game that I've watched in my lifetime. Uh, this, uh, where was I when I was watching this game? Uh, I think I was just at home. I know for game six, I went to the, uh, the deer district. Oh, yeah. are we going to get a deer district story? We might. It's just, it's not very, it's not going to be fun, but oh, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, considering how that game ended, but yeah, I just remember being just gutted after this game, but still optimistic. Cause you know, at the end of the day, this is still a two, two series and you're going back home. If you're Milwaukee, right? You still, no, I do th- it's it's no, just ahead. a best of best of three now. Exactly. So I think there's three ways to look at the series, and I think I I like really flip between all three of them at the time. Was at first, it's like, well, it obviously in the moment of any playoff loss, you're gonna feel awful, right? Like that's just how it goes. It's just like, oh my god, this is the end of the world, and then everything can change after it, or not. In this case, it didn't, but it can. Um, the second one is like, well, it's two two now. You know, it's all knotted up. Like it's certainly far from over. And then the third one is like looking specifically at like what's going on, like play by play. And that's where this starts to look a little rough for the Bucks because there were things the Raptors were doing. And really, I mean, I don't want to take credit away from Toronto. Absolutely great team, eventual champions, really well coached, really talented. I mean, the Bucks played into their hands in a few different ways and, and they kind of did all series. But in this game, it starts to be more pronounced because the Raptors start to lean into it like especially taking advantage of all the space they had on offense, both through, you know, the stretch fives and Brooke and, and the way the, the Bucks defended, but also just like knowing how much attention was going to the ball, especially when Kawhi had it. The Raptors were really prepared to take advantage of that, starting, I think, really in this game. And this is where the Bucks needed to adjust a little bit, and that did not go well for Milwaukee. It, no, it did not, as we will... Get to as we continue this series. Ty, do you have anything else on this game? This I don't. Okay. Well, let's 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 go. Uh, what did the, what did Belichick say? I'm on to Milwaukee. 
Yes. Okay. Well, Instead of Baltimore. <laughs> well, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Binge the Bucks here on the Eurostep. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a rating and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure you tell your family and friends about the show. Uh, make sure you, again, check out all of the podcasts across the Blue Wire Network. We're all working hard to give you guys content during these rough times, but... I guess all I have to say now is please stay safe out there and we will talk to you next time. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.